All right, I think we're about ready to start. A couple of things that I wanted to bring to your attention before we do start. First of all, I want to say that I'm just overwhelmed and amazed uh, at the number of ladies that are here tonight. Thank you for coming and participating in this Bible study. It blesses my heart. It really does. Um, each year that, well, we didn't during COVID, but now that that's kind of passed us, the Mosaic Center has asked us to provide lunches for uh, the ladies at the center on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, if, if, if there would be a, you know, three groups of ladies who would be willing to help out with that, if you would see me tonight so that I could get your names down. Now, they did say that on Monday, this is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. On Monday and Tuesday, it doesn't really matter what you bring. It needs to be enough for 20 people, and uh, it needs to be there by 11 a.m. On Wednesday, though, they just want sandwiches and chips, uh, something that's quick because they, and it needs to be there at 1030 because the ladies leave at 11 to go to Angelina College, and so they want to be able to eat or either take it with them uh, when they go. So if there would be um, a, some ladies who would be willing to help out with this, you, you'll see me tonight so that I can get this all arranged and uh, let them know um, you know, who's going to be bringing on those days. Also, um, we're going to be uh, hosting the True Woman Simulcast. And this event will be on September Friday evening, the 23rd, and Saturday, September the 24th. Uh, now, we are going to play the simulcast that morning on Friday from 9 to 12 for anybody who would like to come and watch the opening sessions. I don't think I will be here that day because I have, you know, I have doctor's appointments the day before, so I'm not sure if I'll be here, but Dave will set it up and turn it on. So if there's anybody that would like to come between 12 and 9, you can do that. Now at 6 o'clock is actually going to be our sort of our big kickoff, um, and we'll have a light supper that night. So uh, come prepared for that, and then it will be from 6 until 9. Now I can't tell you how I'm excited. I am about Friday night. Um, Kay Arthur is going to be there on Friday night, and she will be part of the speaking team. And I have always admired Kay. I've done a lot of her studies. I've gotten involved in her inductive Bible studies. She's 88 years old. She very rarely speaks anymore. And so she will be there on um, a Friday night, so I don't want to miss that. And then on Saturday morning, we'll meet back at 8.30, and we'll have a light breakfast, and we'll meet, and it ends at 12. So we want all of our ladies to come and participate in that. I think Tara's going to put a Facebook, a church Facebook page out. She may have already done that. So if you could just go on there and click if you're coming or not, that'll give us an idea of the number so that we can prepare adequately for the food. And so we'd appreciate that if you would do that. I think it's, we have done this for uh, several years and I'm just really glad we're able. There's not a lot that, you know, going to the conference has gotten to be quite expensive, but being able to hosted here on the simulcast is i think a real treat for our ladies so hopefully you'll take advantage of that september the 23rd and september the 24th 
All right. Um, is there anything I'm missing? Okay. All right. Um, tonight is uh, our introduction to uh, the st- three chapters of the book of Matthew that we commonly call the Sermon on the Mount. Tonight's just the introduction. Uh, and then next week we'll actually dive in to the study. Uh, if you have a red letter edition Bible, everything except for the first two verses in these three chapters are in red. That means that Jesus himself spoke these words. Matthew transcribed it, but these words were spoken by Jesus. Uh, You know, there are people who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. However, they are intrigued by what Jesus has to say in his words. Uh, There are people who don't obey God's word, but they love to, you know, um, quote Jesus' words. the passages that we will find in these three chapters are very familiar, very familiar. Um, even people who don't know much about God's Word at all know things, you know, know some things about what's in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, think about the golden rule, do unto others, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Judge not lest you be judged. Ask and it shall be given to you. These are just a few of the things that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. And then we end our study with uh, the children's song, um, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. So I think that... uh, Um, There are a lot of familiar things in these three chapters, and I know that they're going to be a blessing to us. It has been a blessing to me just studying and preparing for this study. I don't think I've probably been as excited about teaching any other study than I was as I was beginning to prepare for the Sermon on the Mount. St. Augustine said that the Sermon on the Mount was probably the best known least understood, and the least obeyed of all Scripture. And as we go through this, I think you'll agree with that statement. Um, I've entitled the study, The Way of Jesus, and we'll talk more about that as we go along. You know, all of us make choices, whether we're conscious of them or not, we make choices. Eventually, we create, through our choices, a path for our life. We create a way of life. The book of Proverbs speaks of many paths a person might take in their life. These paths are called ways. In the book of Proverbs, we we learn about the way of the evil, the way of the sluggard, the way of the folly, the way of the righteous, the way of death, the way of life. Uh, all There are over 50 different references in the book of Proverbs to a person's course of life, uh, which is based on an accumulative uh, or accumulative decisions that they make over the course of their life. Proverbs 14 and 8 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to discern, discern his ways. Proverbs 4.21 says, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all of his paths. I believe that a person's course in life is not based on just one or two decisions, but it's the habits 
that they develop in their life that determine one's course in life. Uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus gives us instructions about the way of life, a way of life that will bring blessing to his followers and also glory to God in heaven. And so, did you know that um, adults generally make about 35,000 decisions every day? You know, when you get up in the morning, con these are conscious decisions. You get up in the morning and you decide, you know, am I going to have a bowl of cereal or I'm, I'm going to have an egg? If I have a bowl of cereal, am I going to have uh, fruit or sugar in it? Or am I going to, if I have an egg, is it going to be boiled, fried, or scrambled? Um, what are you going to drink? Are you going to have coffee or are you going to have uh, juice? If you have coffee, are you going to put sugar and cream in your coffee or are you just going to drink it black? You see how we make a lot of decisions. Probably by 10 o'clock every morning, you have made about 6,000 conscious decisions. If you think about it, you have. You know, sugar or cream in your coffee is not going to change the course of your life. Uh, those aren't life-changing decisions. But there are decisions that we make in our life that shape the course of our life. They, they determine our path of life. Uh, Proverbs 4 and 26 says, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. You see, this is an important reminder to children of God, those who have been born again, those who are in God's kingdom, that God has put us on a mission. And we need to live like we're on a mission. Our decisions that we make, our choices, can either cheer us on in our mission or put our mission to rest. So we need to ponder, ponder our ways, give thought to our decisions and how we live. The way of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, gives us direction and inspiration on how we should live as followers of Christ. So I want us to look, as we study through the Sermon on the Mount, I want us to look at these uh, passages, even though they're familiar to us. I want us to look at them with new eyes. And I want you to look at the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. Instead of bits and pieces of things that were put together, I want you to look at it as one continuous message. You know, we've heard about the lilies of the field and, you know, not to be anxious or, or what Jesus said about divorce. All those things are in the Sermon on the Mount. But did you realize that all of these, are, these familiar passages are part of a continuous, Jesus' longest continuous message? message. Now, I have to admit, for many years, I didn't, I didn't catch on to that. Um, it actually wasn't until several years ago when I was working on my counseling certica certification and observing Brother Jerry in a counseling session. Brother Jerry um, gave this particular person a homework assignment. You know, he was famous for homework. <laughs> And uh, he gave them the homework assignment to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. 
Well, then the next week, they came back, and he began to ask them some things and question them about what they're reading. But you see, as Brother Jerry began to work through the Sermon on the Mount, the light bulb went off with me. I don't know about that person, but it went off with me because I realized this is one complete message. It's not random bits of pieces of advice. Jesus had a reason for saying the things he said. He had a reason for preaching this sermon. So I want us to begin this study of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I, I want to teach this as it is rarely viewed. Like I believe it was intended to be taught as one cohesive, complete message. You know, Jesus started the Sermon on the Mount in a certain way. And then he moved logically from one point to the next. And then he ended it in a very specific way. Jesus had a reason for the things that he said and how he said it. And so I, I, I want you to think about that as you begin uh, this study. Um, the next thing that I want to talk to you tonight is how this study is structured. Uh, tonight, as I said, it's just, just the introduction. I'm, I'm not going to go into any, any teaching on this. I want to give you some chance to do your homework uh, before uh, I, teach, I begin teaching through it. Um, but in October, uh, if you'll open your study guide to page two, and by the way, if, I think there might be a couple left back there. Um, if you don't have one, if you did not get a study guide and you need one, let me know, and um, we'll try to get some more. And then uh, also, it's been put on the website, so you could download it off of the website if you need that. So if you didn't get one, there were a couple of uh, that Aaron printed that just has the first lesson in it, so you can use that for this next time. But if you look on page two, you see in September is the introduction the way of Jesus. In October, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, the way of the blessing. That is the Beatitudes. Um, so before you come back in October, you should have completed the four lessons that are found on pages 7 through 14 as well as the questions for thought and discussion on page 16. And I've included also in this a, a place for you to take notes. Now, you know, you can use this for in your own personal study. If you have things that you're not sure about and you want to write it down, you can do that. And hopefully they'll be an answered during the teaching time. But if not, uh, we'll talk about it. Um, and, or you can use it to take notes during the teaching time. But I'm just giving you a place uh, to do that, to take notes. Um, you know, I may ask you questions in your homework um, that you're not sure about. That's okay. That's okay if you're not sure about it. Um, I might, you know, you might say, well, you know, uh, I might write down the wrong answer. I, you know, maybe it's, that's okay. That's okay. You write down the wrong answer. It's okay. Um, in our culture today, we I think that we have lost the appreciation for the learning process. 
and what the learning process entails. You see, nobody likes to feel dumb. We want instant gratification. You know, I think about it. You're going somewhere, you get in your car, and uh, you punch in the location on your GPS, and you hit the road. Um, you like, we like the GPS because we don't like the feeling of, of being lost. We, you know, want to know where we're going, you know, you, but nobody really gets lost anymore because, you know, we've got a GPS. Um, we don't like to feel unsure. You know, I, I, I thought about this, you know, another example of this, you know, when I was in school, when I think I was in the ninth grade, I started algebra. Well, you know, I, I never was the greatest in math anyway, but, um, you know, I, I started uh, algebra, and um, I, I think about how when I started, how hard that was when I started it. You know, there were things about math that I knew, but then when I went to that class, there were things I didn't know. And so, you see, it took me a while, and I didn't like that feeling of being in that class and not knowing what I was doing and trying to figure it out. And it took me some time to develop the skills in order to do algebra. And so Bible study is no different. It's no different. We need to learn to feel the difference between what we know and what we don't know. That's important. Um, part of your homework, if you will look on page six, uh, down at the bottom, part of your homework is to read through the Sermon on the Mount in its entirety. You want to read it all the way through. Now, ladies, I, this is very important to me that we have the right expectation in regard to this Bible study. And we move through this study with some very important steps. The first thing you will always want to do when you study the Bible is pray and ask God to give you knowledge. Ask God to give you wisdom in regard to his word. If we ask, he will give it to us. He's faithful. He will. Um, but then the first thing you're going to do is you need to observe the text. You know, what does the text say? Not what does the text say to me. What does the text say? You need to know what it says before you jump to what it says to me. Uh, there are some skills that are necessary in order to make comprehension of the text. And, you know, I, I know that some people don't. I, I have me a, a K. Arthur Bible, so I write all in my Bible. But I know some people don't like to write in their Bible. That's okay. I've, I've included um, the text in the back of your study guide. So if you want to need to do your markings, you can do them in the back of your study guide. But I'm going to ask you to read the text. I'm going to ask you to write the text. You see, those things are going to help you to observe. Pay close attention to what the text is saying. I'm going to ask you to underline some things. I'm going to ask you to circle some things in the text. I'm going to ask you to look up some things in the dictionary. I'm going to ask you to paraphrase some things in your own words. And nobody likes to do that. I'll tell you that right now. Nobody likes to paraphrase. What's a paraphrase? 
just summarize it in your own words. Okay. Just summarize in your own words. Oh, that's okay. That is okay. No, there's no question that that's not uh, relevant. That's a good question. Um, you, we, when the reason we don't like to do that is because we, in order to do that, we have to really focus on what the text is saying. And so we'd rather uh, uh, not do that. Um, Um, I put in the back here the ESV. Now, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, that's what I put. Now, I use the New American Standard, but that's just because that's just my favorite. But anyway, um, but it is in the back. It is, a, is the ESV just simply because that's what we tend to use here um, at the church. So it, it doesn't really matter. Either way, I don't think it will make uh, that much difference. But um, don't be afraid that you're going to write the wrong thing or anything like that. It's okay. But this is what I want to ask you not to do. And you're going to be tempted. Do not look at commentaries. Because, you know, you can look at commentaries after you've finished your study. But commentaries are just someone else's opinion. And some of you have study Bibles that have commentaries in them. And so what you tend to do is when you read something you don't uh, really know, you skip down there to the commentary and read it. And you go, oh, okay. And then what happens is it goes one ear and out the other, and you done forgot it by the time you've finished. So don't use commentaries until you have finished. Because how can you determine if that commentary is correct if you haven't first invested the time to observe the text yourself. Uh, you know, people can tell you whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Make it correct or right. Observe the text yourself. And so I've given you things to do to help you and to guide you and lead you through uh, the um, the observation section of that. So I've kind of I've kind of helped you with, with that. Um, and then after you observe the text, then you're going to interpret the text. What does the text mean? And so I've led you into some questions that you will write answers to. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If it's you know just write what you think it means. Um, and then finally, we're going to move to the application. Now, this is what the text means to me, or how should this text, you know, change me? You see, but what we want to do, we want to skip past the observation and the interpretation, and we want to go straight to the application. We don't want to waste time on that. We want to just go right to what does this mean to me? Y'all agree? Sure. You know, you sit down in the morning with your cup of coffee, 
and with your devotional, and you got about 15 minutes, and you just say, you know, what am I going to get out of this today? And I, I like what Jen Wilkins says. She says, we tend to use our Bible study like a debit card. We're going to put in the card, and we're going to draw out just what we need for the day, and we hope we're going to make it through the day. <laughs> you know, she also says that we should use our Bible study as a savings account, not a debit account. And so, ladies, I want this study to accumulate in value as you study over the next nine months. There will be times when you sit down with this study and you won't take much away at all. That's okay. That's okay. But there will be times when you sit down and you study, and just like with me, the light bulb will come on. And God will give you great wisdom. He'll give you insight that will have a tremendous impact on your life. You see, I don't know when, this, when that will happen, but I do know that if we are faithful and we seek after knowledge and wisdom from God's Word, God is faithful. And He will absolutely, through His Word, change our lives forever. That's true. So I encourage you ladies to do your homework. You know, I put the study guide together for you to help you through these different steps. Now, I know, I know how some people are. They'll get the study guide, they'll take it home, they'll put it down. They won't look at it again until it's time to come back next month. They don't want to take the time to walk through the learning process. And I will tell you, ladies, you will cheat yourself if you do that. Uh, don't do that. Invest time in your life. Invest time in the Word of God, and your life will be forever changed. So that is a little bit about how this, this study is structured. Does anybody have any questions about that? Okay, uh, what you're going to do, the, uh, tonight is the introduction. I hope I, may, I hope I heard you right. Tonight is the introduction, so I'm just, you know, going through the introduction with you. Um, and, but next week, when we, next month when we come back, I will teach through the way of the blessing, which will be pages 7 through 14, and then page 16. I, don't want, I want you to do your homework. I want you to be familiar with this when you come back. I don't want you just to be, well, this first time you ever looked at it. I want you to be to be ready for that study. And then if you have um, questions, then you can ask those and we'll, we'll, sit, we'll try to talk about it. Did I answer your question? No, page three. What, what are you, how do you fill in those blanks? Okay, look at that. I'm sorry. Page three. Okay, well, and those, I answered some of that. Uh, let me go back to that. St. Augustine said the Sermon on the Mount was probably... Um, um, let me go back and read that exactly, was probably the best known, least understood, and the least obeyed of all Scripture. 
and then the others, I'll, the things I, I haven't talked about yet. But I'll get to those. So just kind of watch on that. They're kind of out of order, I know. But um, just kind of watch, and then I'll try to make sure to bring that to your attention if that is um, something that um, is uh, is in that. Um, all right. The next thing I want to talk about, nobody has any questions about the structure. It's the second Tuesday. Always the second Tuesday. Now, there are going to be some changes. In March, I believe it's in February and March. February is Valentine's Day on the second Tuesday. So we're going to move, we're going to change it. And then March is spring break. So we want everybody to have time with their sweethearts. So we want to make sure we change that. And then spring break, we'll uh, change that. So, but other than that, it will be the second Tuesday. Yeah, always 530. Always 530. All right. Um, anything else? No, we won't meet in December. That's right. Thank you, Laura. We will not meet in December. There is so much going on in December, and the church has some uh, volunteer banquet and all kinds of things like that. So we just decided that we would forego December, and then we would start again in January. All right. Um, the next thing we're going to look at is context, because context matters. Uh, we need to know what... It's happening in before the text. We need to know what's happening after the text. We need some background information before we get started on a Bible study. Well, I'm going to give you that background. I did that for you, so I'm just going to give it to you. And then you'll have that in your toolbox. First of all, Matthew was the author of this book. Of course, we all know that. Matthew was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Before uh, coming uh, to Christ, before becoming a follower of Christ, Matthew, by his own uh, admission, uh, tells us that he was a tax collector. Uh, and this uh, book was written somewhere around 60 or 70 AD, um, not long after, you know, the events actually happened. Um, this book was written to a Jewish audience. Matthew wanted the Jewish people to understand that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. He was the King of Kings. And that's why there are over 60 references in Matthew taking us back to the Old Testament. You know, uh, that's why Matthew begins the book with the genealogy of Christ. You know, before the, the gospel of Matthew begins with this genealogy and leads us right up into the birth of Christ, then Jesus' baptism by John, and then it goes into Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, and then in chapter 4, Jesus begins calling his disciples. And then that brings us right into the Sermon on the Mount. So there um, are only, you know, these are the only things covered in the book of Matthew prior to where we will start our lesson. Um, if you have your Bible, I'll, I'm actually going to back up 
to chapter 4, uh, and I'm going to start reading with verse 25, and I think this will help us set the stage, and then we'll go over into uh, chapter 5. So Matthew chapter 4, verse, verse 25 says, And great crowds followed him talking about Jesus, from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. Chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So where did the Sermon on the Mount take place? What does it tell us? It was in Galilee, and um, it was on a mountain. Uh, I'll remind, uh, there's, um, I, I want us to take a little, you know, I'm, I'm going to divert a little bit because I think this is important. Um, as I said before, in chapter 5, almost every word, 5, 6, and 7, was in red letter. That means that Jesus said that. Well, if we look back to chapter 4 and verse 17 and 19, we also find two red letter phrases. Now, keep in mind, Jesus is just beginning his public ministry. And um, he says in verse 17 of chapter 4, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then you skip down to verse 19, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what were the first two words in a nutshell that came out of Jesus' mouth in his public ministry? Repent and follow. That's nothing more than the gospel. The gospel. So if someone were ask you to uh, uh, give me the gospel in two words, repent and follow, brings it right down to two words. So I thought that was very interesting. So I wanted to bring that out uh, to you as well. You know, there were crowds. Who were these people in the crowds? Uh, and why were there crowds? You know, and let's go back up again to chapter 4, to, to tw verse 23. And he went, and talking about Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So why was there such a crowd? Yeah, I mean... He was healing people. He was doing all sorts of things that, you know, he miracles, signs, and wonders. People were intrigued by that. Who is this man that's doing all these things? And so the crowds began to gather, and, you know, they're, they're following him. They want to hear what he has to say. Who is he? And what does he have to say? So who, as I said before, who was in that crowd? Who was in the crowd? We know the disciples were in the crowd because it says the disciples were in the crowd. And most likely, everybody else was a Jew, Jewish, Pharisees, that kind of, you know, they were just Jewish people uh, from that area. Um, 
as Jesus maneuvers the crowd, Scripture says that he moved to the mountain. Now, is this significant, that Jesus moved to the mountain? I want to tell you that it is. I want you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19, verse 15. Chapter 19, verse 15. Exodus chapter 19, verse 15. And in verse 15 of chapter 19, it says, And he, talking about Moses, said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders, and lightnings, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it like a fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, to look, and many of them perish. Now, I want you to skip over to Exodus chapter 20, and I want you to look at verse 18, 20 and 18. Verse 18 of chapter 20 says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, how is this passage significant to our study of the Sermon on the Mount? Well, this actually was uh, the last time in Scripture that God spoke to his people on a mountain. Remember, Pastor Chris said this a, a couple of Sundays ago that uh, a lot of a lot of important things happen on a mountain. Uh, so you know, uh, this was the last time that God spoke to His people from the mountain in the in, in the Old Testament. Now, on the mountain is where Moses received the law. It's where Moses received the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now. If the people, the Jewish people, now, you know, they were religious, and they went to synagogues, supposedly, 
uh, if they had been paying attention, they would have known that the Messiah would come to fulfill the old covenant and to fulfill the law. And that something new was going to be coming. The new covenant. Why? Because in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, God had declared to the Israelites that he would make a new covenant with his people. And that's one of the questions on your uh, little guide right there. Um, Jeremiah 31, 31, if you want to uh, turn to that. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. Now this is, this is the important part. This is what I want you to really get. He says, I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God was explaining to them in the book of Jeremiah that the, the old covenant was insufficient. It was weak. The old covenant was good. It was right. But what did Pastor Chris say on Sunday? The old covenant couldn't save them. And no power to save them. It had no beating heart. And so God sent a beating heart. He sent Jesus. And scripture says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem those who were under the law. So you see, Jesus goes up to the mountain as he begins to preach this sermon. And he's declaring to the people that something new is about to happen. Things are changing. And you will, as you study through this, you will, numerous times it'll say, and you heard it said, but I say, and you heard it say, but I say, he's referring back to the old covenant and he's establishing with them the new covenant. And so understand that as you read uh, through that, that that is what this is about. God sent his son to show us a more excellent way, the way of Jesus. And so, you know, when you look at the Sermon on the Mount like that, it just takes on a whole new perspective, doesn't it? It does. Um, so here in Matthew, Jesus comes up to the mountain and he sits down. Now, and he invites the people to draw near and sit. Now, this is an entirely different scene than in the book of Exodus. I mean, the people were afraid, were afraid for their life. You know, there was lightning, there was thunder. You know, there was trumpets blowing. That They were scared to death. But Jesus comes, and he invites them to come to sit at his feet, and he begins to teach. Totally different scene from the book of Exodus. Why do you suppose, now, I, I don't know why I threw this in there, but I just thought I would, uh, that... Jesus sits down. It says he sits down. 
I really don't know if there's any significance in that or not. You might look it up and see if you can find some significance. I don't know. You know, I I thought about uh, Psalms chapter 80, verse 1 and 2. It says, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come and save us. You know, when I picture Jesus, I picture and I envision him sitting on his throne at the right hand of the Father. And so, uh, you know, he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the one who came to save us. He is and was the prophesied Messiah. So, you know, that's just kind of how I... You know, when I think about him sitting there, I think about him sitting as if he were sitting on his throne. Now, I don't, I can't say that that's what that means, but anyway, that's just according to me. Um, so take that for what it's worth. So that is where we're going to end tonight. I, I'm, I had thought that I might go through um, the first beatitude, but I'm going to. I'm going to start next time, and I'm going to go through all of the Beatitudes at one time. So I want you to have time to, to go through that. I've given you some background information. Uh, so begin working through your lessons in this study, and be ready for October, the way of the blessing, the Beatitude. Okay? Does anybody have any questions or um uh, as it relates to the study, I know I've, I've, I've just kind of unloaded on you some things, but I hope, I hope you will be, uh, you know, consistent, persistent, and dedicated to your study of the Sermon on the Mount. It is a wonderful study. How could it not be? It's Jesus' own words to us. Anything. Well, I do. I have I'd like to thank y'all so much for doing this. It, it's, it's a blessing. I want to thank the ladies at this table right up here. We have several ladies from Hemphill um, that have joined us uh, in our study. And thank you all for coming. We do appreciate you coming and participating in our study. So thank you for inviting them and, and that they're here to participate in this. So. Well, you're very welcome. It was, it was a little touch and go yesterday whether I was going to be here or not, but God, as he always does, sustains me. And so I'll be here. All right. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, uh, and um, y'all feel free to visit. Uh, and then, um, you know, if you need to go, you can go. All right, Heavenly Father, I come to you today thanking you for this opportunity to be here tonight to teach. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you teach us and how you draw us to you through your word. I pray for these ladies as they begin this study. I pray that this study will have the most impact on their life. And as they study through this, they will truly understand the way of Jesus. And I just... Uh, Pray that their hearts will be open to their study and doing their work so that they can receive, receive such a blessing. Lord, thank you for the, those who per, took care of us with the food and all of that. And 
um, just made everything happen tonight. I thank you for those ladies, and I asked all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I, we go, I do want to, the, the ladies who are on the committee, the, um, the Women's Ministry Committee, if you will stand up. There are some of you that are here that are on the Women's Ministry Committee. Um, these, you know, I don't, I don't do all of this myself. Um, these ladies are great, and they're my right arm on everything. Thank you so much for helping us. Thank you. All right. Well, you're dismissed.